Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op. This morning, I have the pleasure of interviewing Devin Fuhrman. He's the Chief Agriculture and Sponsor Relations Officer at Nationwide. Good morning, Devin. Good morning, Vernon. Thanks for having me. Thank you for taking out time of your busy schedule to be with us to talk about Nationwide Insurance Co-ops and your life. So let's start off with your life. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in agriculture and uh, a family farm back in Story City, Iowa, and um, still have a lot of family back in Iowa, of course. And but uh, I grew up really wanting to continue to be a farmer there. But you know, when, in the mid '90s, things were kind of tough, and my my dad's like, "Well, I won't be able to have you back at the farm." So he's like, "You're going to have to get one of those fancy jobs in town." So I ended up. <laughs> Moving uh, from going from college right to a farmer's cooperative called Heartland Co-op and um, started out there as a as an agronomist and learned all about, you know, kind of farming from the other end in the co-op space. And I also learned a lot about co-ops in general, how they operate, why they exist. And and lo and behold, it's a long story, but um, found my way into the insurance business. And, um, you know, that that was uh kind of a transition, but I was lucky to find Nationwide, which is very much like a co-op. And so all kind of came together at the end. I'm working in insurance, agriculture, but still get to keep those roots in co-ops. So tell me about Heartland first, because that's where you learned about co-ops. What yeah. was their product or business or service? So they were a farmer cooperative. Mm-hmm. So they, they sold seed, chemicals, fertilizer to farmers, and then the farmers would grow their crop, and uh, use the cooperative for services like spraying and and then maintaining their their crop. But then when they harvested it, they'd bring it into the co-op and they'd be able to collectively be able to sell it at a better price and uh, forward contract and use different marketing techniques to hedge against the market and protect their position. And and um, so it was it was truly a farmers cooperative where we helped our community and at the time seven other communities. Uh, really do a good job in the farming space and be able to compete. You know, that was really what it was about. By collectively working together, they were able to have competitive pricing, both on the input side and on the marketing side when they were selling their product. So I I have that. I talk about four different types, four segments of co-ops. And uh, the first one is an employee. Uh, If the employees own and control the business, it's called a worker co-op. The second one is if the consumer, the people that buy the products and services own the business, then it's a consumer co-ops. And those are the, your housing co-ops and credit unions, um, rural electric co-op. So those are your consumer co-ops. And then I have it that there's two types of other, two more types, and one is called a purchasing co-op and the other is a marketing co-op, and farmers use both of those. So it sounds like Heartland was both a purchasing co-op where the farmers could go buy the products that they needed to produce whatever they were producing, and then whatever they were harvesting it, they would take it back and sell it to the Heartland, and they know they've got a good market for it because Heartland could perhaps from Ohio sell something in California or New York where your farm, your father's farm, couldn't do that. At best, right around that neighborhood. So they got a bigger space, more places they can market their products and get a better price, and, like you said, on the input side, they could buy what they needed at a because they're buying in bulk, get better quality and a lower price. So, yeah. You got it. That That's exactly right. And it, and it works really well. In fact, my location, without that co-op, the farmers would not have access to some of the, the larger users of their product, uh, whether it be feed mills or, you know, ethanol plants and, 
they can bring their corn in and aggregate it and they can get a better price because the co-op is actually a, a really win-win opportunity for each member. Okay, so that's Heartland, and you, your father said he kicked you off the farm because he, he couldn't afford you to come on and work there. You're too small. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go get a big-time yeah. job. You got an education now. Where did you get your yeah. undergrad degree in? I went to Grandview University in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, that's where I received my undergrad, and actually I was a liberal arts major. So I was really one of those that I loved all different aspects of the university. I le- learned a lot in psychology, and, and I took a, a, a lot of classes in the, I would call it the, you know, the Englishes, the humanities, the, all the different things like that. But when I got into the insurance business, I, I went back to get my degree at Iowa State University in business through the, their master's program there. And so, like many in my family, I did end up with a degree from Iowa State University, and um, that was that was really good for me. I, I appreciated that business aspect, but I enjoyed my undergrad just as much. You know, I really did. I thought there were a lot of things that I learned from that, and kind of in the humanities, which is a lot of social science and and liberal arts classes that I took. So it was fun. Fun, fantastic. It's great when education and learning is fun. I, I wasn't in the liberal arts world in that uh, the reading and the writing was difficult. I was in the math and the sciences. I could I could do those kinds of equations, but not the ones where you put words together. That was <laughs> difficult. <laughs> okay, so you got an MBA, an undergrad degree, and you made your way into the insurance world. Why not stay in a total co-op world? Why? What caused you to leave the co-op world? Well, I was, it was one of those deals where I was uh, selling, you know, agricultural products and really enjoying it. I had a great, you know, mentor there. But as it goes when you're young and you're ambitious and the recruiters come around and start asking you to, you know, take a look at other industries where you can expand. And um, I, I ended up being recruited out and went to work um, in the, I'll call it kind of the IT world in the late 90s when the, you know, dot coms were booming and worked for a consulting firm for a little bit. And it ended up like most of those in the late 90s, it, it didn't make it. And I ended up uh, finding my way to insurance kind of by accident. I was looking for a job and and uh, Progressive Insurance happened to have a role. So I started out with Progressive Insurance in year 2000. And um, it was the Central Iowa sales manager job. And once I got into the insurance business, I really found that I liked it. It felt to be, in spirit, the same thing I was doing as an agronomist. I was out there trying to help business owners uh, improve their business by selling more, reducing their expenses, and and helping solve a problem for a client. And so I thought that was a really good role. And progressive, though, obviously, it was a a stock held company. So the the you know really the purpose about what we were doing felt different to me. But there was an, a little company called Allied Insurance. Not that little, but it was, you know, smaller than progressive at the time. Um, and they were mutual. And um, I knew mutuals were a lot like co-ops. And so I got to know them pretty well. And I got recruited to go over to there. And I, I started with Allied Insurance in 2006, which, of course, was owned by Nationwide. And then I've been there ever since and had a number of different jobs, really, in the sales arena, working on the same types of things, helping business owners, helping customers, helping members find the products and services they need to make their lives better and really found a home at Nationwide through that. And I've been there now since 2006 and every single minute. Every minute. All right. So your job is helping people to get a product that they need and hopefully at a price that they can afford or how you, you said something about lowering their cost. Yeah, so if you think about, um, let's just think about insurance, and really what Nationwide is all about being a mutual is that we're a protection company. We're trying to help people buy a product or a service that helps offset a risk that they have, but they need to be able to buy that affordably. And so as a mutual, we try to make sure our rates are affordable. We try to make sure that the way we do business keeps our expenses down so we're not passing those on to the customer. 
Um, and at the end of the day, when the worst thing happens, when they have a claim, let's say that they have damage to their home or to their auto or onto their farm, the nationwide is there to back them up and really eliminate those exorbitant costs that can come from having a loss. And at the end of the day, getting them back to where they were before the loss happened. And so that's our job as an insurance and financial services company is to protect those assets and to protect their families, their homes, their really their futures against those things that could happen in the worst case scenarios. And it's a, it makes it a noble business at the end of the day. It's something that we, we pride ourselves in doing very well. We've, now we've almost done that for almost a hundred years. So pretty exciting. You said it's a noble business. Often I don't think of insurance as being noble. Often I hear of stories and watch movies where the insurance company does everything it can not to pay the claim. And you're saying that that's not nationwide. How did nationwide get started so it would have this foundation of how do we protect the customer, the insurer? Yeah, that's a really good question, Bernard, because it does, it's one of those things that does differentiate us in the marketplace, I believe, in that, you know, when we were first founded, which just a quick history lesson there is we were started in 1926 by the Ohio Farm Bureau Federation. And the reason we were started is at that time, farmers in Ohio were paying really, really high rates for their insurance because most insurance companies were building their insurance rates off of, well, people who drove in the cities. Well, farmers have a different risk profile. If you think about it, they're driving out in the country. They use different types of vehicles and they felt it was unfair that they were having to pay city rates when they were spending their time in the country. So the Ohio Farm Bureau took, you know, gave basically what is now nationwide a $10,000 loan from the membership dues of the Ohio Farm Bureau, and they built what was the Ohio Farm Bureau Automobile Insurance Association. That's a mouthful. And, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. It was a mouthful. And, and but their, their purpose was let's, let's get rates that are affordable to farmers. And so, or people in rural communities, I'll go ahead and throw that in there because it really was supporting the rural communities that the Farm Bureau was uh, supporting. And they built an insurance company based on auto insurance, but it was specific and it was based on their needs, you know, what they wanted to pay for insurance, and it still fulfilled the need that they needed to manage that risk. And over time, it grew, and we partnered with other Farm Bureaus in other states like Maryland and Pennsylvania and and others, and over time, we grew significantly. Before you go for it, what is a Farm Bureau so we can make sure we get that straight? Because you started with the Ohio, now you've got several others. What's a Farm Bureau? You bet. So a a Farm Bureau is basically an organization of farmers, or what I call like-minded members, people who are interested in where, where their food comes from and working in the agricultural sector. And they've come together and their, their primary focus is improving the lives of farmers and rural communities through various policy positions or legislative work to make sure that they're protecting the farmer's way of life, the business that they're conducting, and making sure that our ability to produce food into the future and provide that security to the country is, is viable from you know beginning to end. So the Farm Bureau in 1926, probably maybe from 1919 to 26, they're all looking and saying insurance are costing too much for us. Mm -hmm. These insurance companies base their insurance off of people in the city. There's more people in the city. There are more accidents in the city, whatever. The risk structure is different from somebody driving older pickup truck in rural dirt roads in 1926. So... Let's get some insurance that would charge rates based on that risk structure as opposed to the city risk structure. Yes. I got it. That's exactly right. Yeah, it was all about differentiating themselves in the marketplace, right? So you've got, like you said, a farmer, their profile is different. They're driving maybe a, uh, a truck that's hauling grain or hauling livestock or something like that on rural roads from their farm and to processing or to market, they're not driving on the city roads. They're not competing with the traffic in the city. So 
why would they pay the same rates when they are a much different type of risk? So they they built their own insurance company to manage those risks. Okay. So it started in Ohio, and then you expanded to other farm bureaus, and it kept, keeps getting bigger. This Ohio insurance company, I, I cut it short. <laughs> yeah, right. Ohio Farm Bureau Insurance Company. Okay. So you started to give another date. I cut you off. You you went with 1926, and you're going to give us another date. Yeah, so they grew. In fact, uh, you know, our founder, uh, Murray Lincoln, who is uh, part of the Farm Bureau system and obviously one of the, you know, leaders in the cooperative movement, um, when he was the executive vice president of the Farm Bureau, he said, we're growing like a weed, and that's because there were organizations of great reputation um, endorsing us or sponsoring us in the marketplace. And those were the farm bureaus that we partner with across several states. And um, we grew to the point where the departments of insurance said, you know, it's really difficult for us to say you can have a federation, which is nonprofit, and a for-profit or cooperative or mutual insurance company and have the same board. So the department of insurance said, you're going to need to split it up. And so in 1955, Nationwide was born, and that's when the Federation had their board, and Nationwide created their own board, and Murray Lincoln became our first CEO of Nationwide Insurance. And from there, uh, we really did become a countrywide or nationwide business, where we decided to expand into additional states and grow, and but still keeping the same principles of how we were founded, because as, you know, Murray Lincoln, one of the creators of the Farm Bureau in 1919, essentially became our first CEO in 1955. He was able to grow it under the same principles and values of the cooperative movement, which is really how we are founded and how we continue to grow today. It's all, it's always interesting to have a conversation and hear the story of how in 1919 the Farm Bureau was started, 1926 the Ohio Farm Bureau started the insurance company in 1955. They're so big that you have to start your own insurance company separated from the Federation. Yeah. Fascinating to listen to the growth. Now, you, you, you mentioned cooperative principles. The values and principles of co-ops, uh, I mean, I, I, I really like the first principle is open to anybody. The, the co-op principle, it's, it doesn't make any difference about a person's race or religion or political affiliation income, uh, gender. It just doesn't make any difference. If somebody wants to become a member of a co-op, they just have to apply and follow the rules of cooperation. And, and being democratic, one member, one vote. I like all of these, these principles. The one that I like best was the fifth principle of knowledge, information, and training. But what, what I end up liking under the values are the ethical values of honesty, openness, social responsibility, and caring for others. Does mm-hmm. Nationwide still use those values in your business model? Absolutely. And I actually appreciate you bringing that up because as you think about, we, we sometimes consider them to be our unfair advantages in the marketplace. We talk about our culture, which is established in the cooperative belief, and, and we talk about our mutuality and our ability to um, spread risk across multiple companies and have that diversification. But, you know, if you were to talk to our CEO, Kurt Walker, one of the things he leans into the most is we have a, we have a caring culture. And that includes, you know, really leaning into that history and supporting the organizations that founded us so many years ago. And we were just at the 105th American Farm Bureau um, annual meeting and, and conference, and he talked about this specifically and the fact that we continue to give back to our communities. We donate a lot of money to various organizations, including food banks, to hospitals, including Nationwide Children's Hospital. We partner with um, the College of Food, Ag, and Environmental Sciences at The Ohio State University through Extension. But we also, as you think about, we lean into a number of different organizations that are hopefully building you know, a diverse pipeline of leaders for the future of our industry, which we include that to be insurance and financial services, but agriculture and rural communities especially. And um, you know, with organizations like FFA and 4-H and, and Manners, which is 
minorities in agricultural and natural resources. And those are collegiate organizations that we are very involved in. And we're trying to help grow those future leaders and help them understand what is a mutual, what is a co-op, and then how could they fit into the future and provide leadership and and opportunities for everybody to participate in in this business. It's a good business. It's a noble business that I mentioned earlier. So, but sometimes people don't understand that because they think of insurance companies. I think you mentioned it, Vernon. They're out you know, to grow and make money and that kind of stuff. Well, when you look across the spectrum of organizations that support the financial services and insurance business, Nationwide is unique in that way. And our culture of caring helps guide that work that we do. You call it the unfair advantage. We do. Absolutely. It's, it's un- unique. It's, it's unfair to your competition? Yes. Because it's really fair and great for your customers, the insurer. And yep. you, you do still call them members, the insurers? Yes, we do. Yep. Because at the end of the day, and, um, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about, you know, the mission and vision of Nationwide and how our, our CEO, Kurt Walker, established this back in 2019 when he took the helm. But we are, he considers us to be a protection company. Yes, we are insurance business, but we're a protection company. We're here to to protect people, business, and futures with extraordinary care. And then the the way that we want to do that is to be the most caring, most trusted, and most customer-centric protection company. And that, if you were to look across the spectrum of insurance and financial services organizations, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody else that thinks about it that way. And that is all predicated on our cooperative and mutual beginnings, starting with the Ohio Farm Bureau. And that's really carried us forward into the organization that we're, we are today and who we plan to be for the next 100 years. I would really, I didn't get the whole mission and vision. I got you a protection company. You protect mm-hmm. people, businesses, and futures. Yes. You want to be the most caring, trusted, and company. Customer-centric. Customer-centric. Do you think or do you do any surveying of your members, your customers, to mm-hmm. find out if they they realize that this is what you do, that it's not just words, that you really are a protection? You're protecting your customers, your members by caring for others, which is that value I was talking about for co-ops? We do. In fact, we have this when Kurt Walker became CEO in 2019. He established an office within his direct report group, which is called the Office of the CEO. And it's truly an office centered around the customer or member. So we have a chief customer officer right now. Okay, chief. So, and, okay. I have yeah, never heard of that office. before. I've never heard of it. Yep. Okay. That was, that was actually, it was new. I, I think. If you go back in our history, I think we've had somebody that's always been very focused on, you know, caring for our customers and our members. But um, really, he established that as a, a point in fact to say, are we reaching out? Are we listening? Are we showing our appreciation uh, for our members as they continue to do business with us? And so we do survey them. We've used various, you know, outside sources like J.D. Powers, to give us some feedback on that. But what we found is if we actually reach out directly to them or we go through partner organizations like the Ohio Farm Bureau and and the seven other farm bureaus that we partner with across the country, to ask them directly, that is the best way for us to get that feedback. And we also do that with and through what we call our distribution partners. Um, distribution partners or agencies, you know, insurance agents that you would call on to get insurance and financial services from, we will ask them, how are we doing? And get that feedback directly. We were able to do that through a number of different ways, which is obviously surveys, but we spent, my team, in, in fact, spends a lot of time out in the counties, out with the states, out with distribution professionals across the country and ask them those questions directly. So even at this last meeting, when we were at uh, the American Farm Bureau Federation's annual meeting, we had our CEO, we had our 
president of our property and casualty insurance and five of our board of directors there um, to actually sit and listen and talk to customers and say, how are we doing? And, you know, for the most part, we get pretty good feedback and they're pretty honest about it and open. So it's it's a, a great way for us to really connect all the dots. So we're going to take our first and only break. We're talking to Devin Furman from Nationwide. Uh, interesting history of Nationwide starting to provide insurance for farmers uh, that were paying too much money and the way that they have developed, particularly with the co-op values and principles. We're going to come back and talk more about examples of, of these products and how you can get nationwide products. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Information is power. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Co-op. We have Mr. David Furman on today. He is with Nationwide Insurance. David, we've been on the air now for 10-plus years. We've been doing this show. And National Co-op Bank has been our sponsor, our financial sponsor, our main cheerleader that has taught us a lot. I grew up in the housing co-op world, so I've learned a lot from NCB on the other aspects of the co-op world. So NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for Americans' cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. David, does Nationwide, or do you know if you all have any kind of joint ventures or working together with NCB to provide financial services to rural communities or farming, farmers or anybody? You know, I, I don't think, uh, Bernard, I don't think I can speak directly to anything that's currently in motion. But I do recall, as I look back in some of the history of, of individuals who have uh, served on the NCBA CLUSA Board of Directors, um, some of those being the chairmans of Nationwide and and then participating as a board member there, that when NCB was first formed, Nationwide did have some assistance in putting that together, which it, it goes really back to, I think, some of the DNA of Nationwide, where we have done a number of things in the past to support cooperatives who are you're really providing those critical needs and um, or services for needs in the communities in which we all mutually serve. And, you know, that it's just part of our cooperative DNA that we want to continue to support those organizations. So if there are opportunities, we're always looking for those things. Uh, we're still, a, you know, a card carry member of NCBA CLUSA and the Cooperative Development Foundation, which I have the privilege of serving on the board. And those are opportunities, I think, that we can continue to look at, especially as those needs arise in, in those various communities. So NCBA was formed in the 80s. And so you guys have been around since 26. And then you were formed nationwide in 55. So you were around and therefore you could be extremely helpful to forming, NCB forming to provide financial services. Got it. Got it. So you, I want to go back to something you said, that you said that you all give a lot of money or support a lot of different organizations, and supporting an NCB getting started would be a part of that. So I have the third principle. We were talking about principles. The third principle is member economic participation, where members have to join the organization, and then they get a dividend. Mm -hmm. But the seventh principle is concern for community. So the members will decide when there's a profit or surplus, uh, what, what you do with that. And I found there have been three buckets as I've talked over these 10 plus years. The first one is to keep money in the business for growth. The second one is to provide money for the community and different organizations to help different organizations get started. And the third one is in some form of a dividend. How does, how does this principle work with uh, a mutual and insurance company so a little bit differently like when i was at the you know the cooperative um you know back in the mid 90s you know obviously when a farmer purchased their products from the cooperative 
at the end of the day, when the profits came through, a portion of that would be given out in a dividend and then a portion would be kept in terms of member equity. In a mutual, it is slightly different. A lot of times what you'll see is that we call it capital, which is basically member equity in the mutual in order to utilize those funds when the worst happens, when those large losses happen, we have catastrophic risks like a hurricane in Florida or wildfires in California, we have to have a significant amount of capital in order to maintain uh, the promises that we've kept to those members who have policies with us in those areas. We have hailstorms and tornadoes all across the Midwest and what have you, so that capital is used to really help us build that out. You know, the mutual uh, principles allow us, you know, as, a, as an insurance company, yes, we do have what we call capital, which is our member's equity. And that member's equity is meant to pay for claims when the worst happens. And we talked about, you know, hurricanes, wildfires, hailstorms, tornadoes across the country. And we utilize the funds that way. But the second way we use that is to reinvest it back into the company so that we can keep our rates low and to stay affordable for our members. Uh, so you think about it, profits in the company, that goes back to helping us maintain a competitive uh, product for our members. So it works a little bit differently. There are there are direct dividends back to the, the customer in mutual insurance companies, but uh, it is reinvested back into supporting the products and services that we utilize to help solve risk management problems or financial retirement solutions or whatever it might be. But keeping those rates low is our, one of our priorities. So that's the dividend, lower rates. Yep. 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 Fantastic. So let me get out now. How, if somebody wanted to get a quote or a proposal from Nationwide, how, what would they go about doing? And I'm wanting those. I want to do that. I want to get a yep. quote. Absolutely. Well, thank you for asking that because, um, you know, we obviously want to be, you know, the carrier of choice or insurance company of choice or, whatever you might want to call it, but the best way to do that in, in your area is probably go to nationwide.com and, and there's a couple different ways you can, you can actually get a quote directly from nationwide, which is one way, but there's also an ability to find an agent, find a local agent, um, which an agent is someone who has access to nationwide products and services. They also have access to other carriers that might be a good fit for individual needs, but the best way to go is is out onto the website to find somebody local, somebody who knows your community, somebody who else is invested in your community and wants to provide those services to you um, and somebody you have access to in a, in a local setting. What we find, especially when we have independent agents out there that are partnered with organizations like the Farm Bureau, uh, they're very connected to the community. So one, they understand the community which they serve. They're also invested in it, probably making sponsorships to local organizations, investing in kids, investing in people, investing in organizations. So I'd, I'd encourage everyone to go out to nationwide.com, find a local agent, and uh, give them a call. So I went to nationwide.com, and I got uh, a menu across the top, and then I see a lady playing a guitar oh next to that it says insurance investing and retirement you can put auto insurance put your zip code in it says start your quote or below that it says find an agent so right there and then on that first page you can get it all okay i'm yep. going to do this when this show is over i wish i had done it before so i could talk about <laughs> the difference in the rate of what i've been having and uh what you all Rates is important, but I think the for me the bigger piece is knowing that the insurance company is going to be there when you need them. Yeah, that's something that we've prided ourselves in. You know, for you know nearly a hundred years now, we've been able to provide those services and and still having the capital to maintain even through some of the worst of times. And you look at what's happened ever since COVID with you know the inflationary component. The cost of repairing a vehicle these days is about. 30 to 35% more than it was pre-COVID. Wow. And you look at what it costs to repair a home. It's about the same, about 35 to 40% more to repair a roof or to re re repair windows. And, and the fact that Nationwide has done a good job 
really maintaining its capital or what we call member equity um, means that we're going to be there to solve for those problems regardless of some of those inflationary things. It has, you know, it's challenged the entire industry right now. The property and casualty industry is having probably one of the toughest years it's had, oh, maybe since they've been recording it. But we are in a good position. And what you probably find as you look across the industry, the mutual companies have done a good job of protecting their members' capital so that when things like this come up, they're still a viable source. So while I, you know, I can speak specifically to Nationwide doing a good job with that, I think if you look across the industry, most of the mutual organizations that serve their members from an insurance perspective have done a good job and are in a good, in a good place. So, David, let's talk future a little bit. Climate change, I'm one of those believe is real. I think it's here, and I think that if we don't do something, we're going to, as, as a world, we're going to pay for it. How does nationwide, particularly when you talk about casualty insurance, protection and casualty insurance, but how does nationwide go about addressing climate change or how do you provide products in a world that has more and more hurricanes and tornadoes and wildfires and snowstorms and, uh, on and on. So how do you, how do you protect for that? How do you manage that future? Yeah. So, you know, the insurance companies across the country have traditionally, you know, basically looked at the history and tried to make a prediction about what kind of future losses we might experience due to weather. And we've more often than not been a little bit off on that prediction as it continues to grow. So, the one thing we can all, I think, agree on is that weather is changing. The The new term out there right now, Vernon, is called convective storms. And those are the storms they typically put a name to. Used to only name like hurricanes, but now, you know, I think even some of these snowstorms that are coming across the northeast have got names to them now. They're, they consider them to be convective, which means one storm kind of creates another storm, creates another storm. That is a fairly new phenomenon. Um and I think as, as you might think about it, whether you, you know, global warming or climate change, whatever you want to call it, weather's changing. And the risks associated with weather across country are, are a threat to, to our customers and members. So what we want to do is continue to invest in better predictive modeling around that so that we can prepare for those things, but we can't do it alone. So as we think about how do we partner with other organizations, the Farm Bureau is definitely one. Um, that we work with specifically to identify how are we taking care of the environment? How are we working together? How are we creating sustainability? Um, those are great ways for us to connect with the farmers and Farm Bureau members. But the other thing that we made an investment in just in this last year is working with the Ohio State University, specifically with the College of Food, Ag, and Environmental Sciences. We created what we are calling the Ag Tech Innovation Hub. And that hub is specifically designed to look at the impacts of climate change and the various risks that are associated with coming out of that and find ways to mitigate for future losses related to, to climate change. And it's really super exciting. It's, it's looking specifically at the agricultural ecosystem and to have a better understanding of it and managing that, that climate risk. But I think there's going to be a number of things that will come out of it um, that will help us uh, down the road to, to one, you know, try to mitigate future climate change, but also to protect ourselves against the outcomes of climate mm. and the weather and the convective storms. Maybe it's something about how do we build buildings differently? How do we use different materials? How do we actually make investments in technologies and, and things that will help us, um, <laughs> really support the communities in which we're trying to serve um, to make a better outcome when those storms hit. So there's nothing worse than when a storm comes through your town and devastates it. it it's just, it's, it's really tragic. If we can help predict and prevent some of that stuff, and then ultimately when the worst thing happens, restore people to back to where they were before, uh, that would be the uh, tremendous outcome from this Ag Tech Innovation Hub. It's fascinating from the standpoint of mind-blowing all of the different th kinds of things you've got to consider uh, fire storms or hurricanes or whatever you, whatever the storm is protect from it and prepare for it 
and then take care of life after it. Yeah. And how do we get better at it and not throwing so much CO2 up in the air, into the air? Okay, that that's a lot. It's gotten heavy up in here, boy. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> that's all right. That's a lot. So I'm going to change the subject a little bit. There's some similarities in it, but growing up in Ohio, the Farm Bureau, this is this is uh, nationwide, and then rural areas, how have you been able to work with inner city, particular minorities? It, it doesn't when you when I think of Ohio and Indiana and perhaps out on the farm, you don't have a lot of farms. You have more than one thinks of, but there's not a lot of minority farmers. So how how do you work with the different minorities and get that involved in nationwide? There's really about I'll say three different primary ways. There's a lot of different ways that we connect, I think, within the uh I'll call it the minority and underserved communities um that that we participate in and one is, you know, we've got a great relationship with um, the Federation of Southern Cooperatives, Cornelius Blanding, and his leadership there to give us guidance on what are some of the best ways that we can do that. And, you know, as we think about creating access, if you will, to information and really bringing, um, I'll say the start in the agricultural uh, arena, we, we partner with organizations like Manners. We participate in 4-H and FFA to try to, you know, get to those inner cities and articulate what's going on in the food and ag space, but try to draw that connection to nationwide so that not only do they see pathways into the food and ag space, but if they want to, they don't want to be farmers, there are ways that they can continue to support the food and ag space with and through organizations like Nationwide. So creating pathways for future leadership and jobs and opportunities within our organization to be a participant in that, even if they don't want to be you know, actually on the farm. Um, you know, we, we like we've talked about a lot here, we partner with the Ohio Farm Bureau. Well, they have a foundation which has specifically put together a program called Explore Ag. And Explore Ag is all about going into the inner cities and I'll say suburbs too, or what you call that agricultural and urban interface area where people might say, I want to participate in this, but I don't know how. Explore Ag actually starts at the high school level and shows kids that there's a pathway. If you want to be a participant in this and have an opportunity for a, a job or a role or responsibility, a leadership opportunity in the space, and then point them in the right direction to continue that on, whether it be going to school or a trade school or uh, to learn how to participate in the ag industry, and that's been very successful for us. Uh, there's a young young man who grew up just just north of downtown Columbus here, and the first time he had ever been out of the city was when he went into Explore Ag and got to take a trip up to Worcester, Ohio, <laughs> in participation of the Explore Ag program. He fell in love with food and ag, and now he's going to go to the Ohio State University and learn about food science. And he's going to have a tremendous career in what he believes. He loves food additives. How do I make food taste better? And he's going to be a food scientist someday. And that all came because he had an opportunity to go from living in the city all the time to just spending a little time in the, in the ag world and being, you know, embraced by that and finding his passion. And that's just one success story, but it's something that gets me pretty excited about it. And, you know, how do we actually how do we do more of that? That's that's something that we have to continue to. So I want to get that young man and take him to some Indian restaurant to look at their spices, Jamaican restaurants to get their spices, <laughs> go down to New Orleans and get their spices and the way they put things together. But there's so when you start talking about the the additives to food that you can put the food to give it different tastes and so forth, which I I really like that. I've never thought about being in that world except for eating <laughs> okay. yeah right yeah me too <laughs> when i ask you about reaching out to minorities you said three different primary ways and you went right to federation of southern co-ops which i know cornelius and the federation i really respect what they do there what are the other two that you mentioned those without saying two and three 
Well, yeah, I think where I was going is obviously the Federation, and they give us a tremendous amount of guidance as to how we participate in the cooperative space within the minority communities. It's obviously he works specifically in the South, but we take a lot of that guidance and principles and bring that forward across the country where we can. But the second thing was around youth pathways okay. and how do we actually introduce you know, the opportunities across you know, the ag and food spectrum, the insurance and financial services spectrum, but also just creating opportunities for kids to go to school and study and find ways to enter into leadership. And I, I didn't really get to the third one, which was around the financial services organization. So we have established a number of programs within our financial services. When I say that, it's around ag lending, risk management around um, retirement solutions, and we've developed a program, and we're working with Cornelius, too, to create some outreach on this, but how do young people get involved in the financial services organizations like Nationwide and provide those retirement solutions for, you know, I, we're targeting farmers and rural communities specifically and saying, you know, if you want to retire um, as a farmer, you can do that. Because a lot of times if you were talking, even to my dad or I would say any any farmers out there and specifically maybe in some of those minority groups, they think, well, I have to farm until I just can't farm anymore. Until you die. There are, there are actual retirement solutions out there that will help you transition that land to the next generation and continue to have an income off that farm beyond your working days. And we've, we've promoted that primarily through our financial services, and it's called Land as Your Legacy. It's a free program. And it takes a family through the transition process of taking it from one generation, the farm to from one generation to the next generation. And it eliminates a number of the taxes associated with that. Some of the financial burden that it could put on a family. It prevents having to sell land to pay taxes. And it, it's a program really specifically designed to help perpetuate that family farm, which we know right now is actually one of the biggest struggles out there is that family farms have a tough time transitioning to the next generation and they end up losing the land in the process. Or worse yet, end up having an argument amongst the family that is nearly unreconcilable. And we want to prevent that too. And that's one of the things with the Ohio, there's a Ohio uh, Black Farmers Association that was formed about five, six years ago. And then through the Federation of Southern Co-ops is one of our primary ways of trying to get that message out really about financial services and retirement solutions. So you mentioned Cornelius, but Dania Davies, who works in mm -hmm. that office, would be the one that I guess would work under this land is your legacy. Because you're trying yeah. to figure out how, how black farmers, they tell me in the 1910s, black farmers own 30 million acres of land and now it's down to 2.5 million and one of yeah. the big things that Cornelius and them are doing is trying to figure out how blacks can hold on to the land they have and this land is your legacy is a way and also yeah. how we get more land in the hands of minorities black brown native indigenous folks so it's like yeah I guess Nationwide would be a great partner for this yeah we're very, very concerned about it because, again, some of it's about awareness, and that's where that youth pathways um, really becomes critical because we want more young people to want to get into the ag and food uh, environment. And if we can go into some of the more urban settings where, you know, not everybody understands exactly where their food came from and get people excited about it, they start to seek out those opportunities. And we want to create pathways for them to go from where they are today to something that they would really enjoy doing and where they can participate in a way and, and make a really good living and, and be part of that future of ag and food. It's just something that we're very passionate about. And it, it's something that we started, I would say, probably in the last five to six years. Obviously, COVID put a little bit of a, um, a little bit of the brakes on the, yep. on the momentum, but we're picking it back up now. We're seeing it really accelerate, and uh, those opportunities are going to be even further out in the future, opportunities for us to engage more. So do you have a scholarship program? Does Nationwide have a scholarship program for young folks to either go to college or go to 4-H clubs or summer camps or anything like that? Yeah, we, we don't do anything directly from Nationwide, but we do that with and through our partners. So, for example, again, being that we're, Nationwide is based in Ohio, we work very closely with the Ohio Farm Bureau Foundation 
And there's a number of scholarships that come out of that foundation specifically that Nationwide is funding uh, with our giving. Um, it's it's something that I know has been going on for a number of years, and I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but a significant number of scholarships go out. Um, but we take those applications in through, you know, one of the organizations I've mentioned a couple times here is Manners. So that's Minorities in Agricultural and Natural Resources. It's a collegiate program, but they can have access to those scholarships um, through that program. And and we, we continue to support that organization as well um, so that we're helping kids actually, you know, get through college and, and find those pathways from college into a career um, that supports the ag and food environment. Fantastic. Okay, I'm only 76, but I might be applying for a scholarship to go to college. Okay, hey, never too, never too <laughs> old to start, right? Particular ag and food. If you got a, if you got a degree where you can become a better taster, not not just wine, but I'm gonna, I, I want the food, the tasting of the food. That's right. Okay, um, where do you see yourself going in nationwide? Myself or you? Well, What's I tell you what. Like? I, I thoroughly enjoy what I get to do every single day. In fact, you know, if you were to ask me even 10 years ago if I would have the opportunity to be in this role where I get to work with, you know, I, I'm in the insurance business, but yet I get to work with organizations that I consider to be like-minded, member-driven, and focused on the future of ag and food specifically, like the Farm Bureau's ag co-ops that we work with, like CHS, Southern States, the Federation, um, you know, this is a pretty exciting job, and it's something that's not only important to Nationwide and our history and our heritage, but it's something that ties right back to my own roots of growing up in Iowa and my folks still farming there and being part of the cooperatives. And um, it's really hard for me to, to say that I could find something better than what I'm doing today. But I know as long as I'm in, involved in working with um, Nationwide, our insurance and financial services and having the opportunity to, to leverage who we are, what makes us different in this community of insurance companies, well, then I'm pretty satisfied. And I think there's going to be opportunities as we move forward to help really evolve and build on all this rich history in the cooperative movement and to help people understand that it's a viable way for, you know, every community to engage in their own success and provide leadership opportunities for people uh, to show how, you know, an inclusive economy is good for America and um, utilize the tools and resources that our predecessors have established for us. And if I can lean into that in the future and, and help develop that, I'm going to be pretty happy. Well, our time is up, Devin. I want to thank you. This has been extremely exciting. We've talked a, a lot about insurance, but around everything else, which I really like. It's all of these different organizations of like mine. Everybody out there, we'll see you next Thursday. Please live cooperatively and support each other. <laughs>